Coming up on Life is a Festival. The experience of the steam room, if built properly and conducted properly, allows to tap directly into this pre-born condition. And because of this particular type of therapeutic state, which sort of peels off all of the layers on top of this pre-born condition, and why it happens, because most of our traumas, be it psychological traumas or somatic traumas, are embodied in some way or other on our body. Your body sort of starts exfoliating from this very core, and then, then the core is unobstructed. The core is the preborn condition. So we use a lot of various types of modalities of cleaning, all the way from somatic cleaning all the way to mental cleaning, saying uh, working with memories, chanting to the memories, for example. That's why it's so much connected to the traditional work which is done in plant medicine world, in ayahuasca world, because there it is exactly the same process. So the people get easily into this retrospective trauma or issue, which shapes whatever happens later. So this is what makes it so powerful. My name is Eamon Armstrong, and this is Life is a Festival. This podcast is a celebration of thinkers and leaders who live their lives with the open-hearted, experimental joy of a festival. Each week, we converse in complete openness, in an ongoing quest to find those boundaries in our being and melt them into lofty horizons. Life is a festival, only to the wise. Hello, my fellow travelers. I hope that this holiday season has found you well, perhaps thriving, but at the very least getting through whatever challenges have crossed your path with the support of friends and loved ones and the loftiest of intentions. Today I'm releasing a podcast that I actually recorded at the beginning of the year last year and I haven't released it because we went into this crazy pandemic time and it sort of got lost in the shuffle. But what a great time to come back to the healing power of STEAM. So today on the show, I'm here with Sasha Biberin and Boris Rybov, and they are the founders of the Steamology Institute, as well as the Art of STEAM camp at Burning Man. So today we're going to be talking about the healing power of STEAM and particularly the Russian banya. On the show, we talk about ceremony and ceremonial intention. We discuss the history of steam as a pre-semantic tradition, and we get into some of the mythology of the Russian banya, and we talk a little bit about this mischievous bathhouse spirit called the bannock. Um, we talk about the medical benefits of steam bathing, including for mental health and trauma. And finally, at the end, we talk about the power of communal healing, which takes place in the banya and which is going to be so important as we emerge from this global pandemic. So they're both originally from Moscow. Um, Sasha and Boris are powerful and dedicated steam masters. They founded the Steamology Institute and the Art of Steam Camp at Burning Man, where they've been bringing a traditional Russian banya all the way out to Blackrock City. So without further ado, here is a beautiful conversation actually from within the banya from about a year ago with myself, Sasha, and Boris. I hope you enjoy. <sighs> My friends. Hey. <laughs> hello. Hello. Hi. It's such a pleasure to be here. 
sitting inside the banya with you both. Thank you so much for having me out here to your beautiful space. And you do take a banya to Burning Man, and you're taking a banya down to Topanga, a mobile banya. Is that correct? Yes. And you are the steam masters of the art of steam. And is that is that the name of, of your organization, the art of steam? No, it's we have like a three like entities. So we built and created our first Burning Man camp and it was called Steamology. It was 2016. And after when we understood that we have this type of calling and we want to go with this way and we wish to investigate and bring this culture and to understand what does it mean for us, uh, we um, created the company which was Steamology and we changed the name for the camp. It was Art of Steam. So Art of Steam, it is the name of our camp at the Burning Man. And right now we have even three different entities because we have Art of Steam, which is camp. We have Steamology, which is our business company. And we have Steamology Institute, which is our school and movement. And it is non-profit and it is more connected with our calling and what we're dreaming about to build. Well, mm. You're effectively in Steamology Institute campus mm. right now. Yeah, this this feels like this podcast could be in the service of the Steamology Institute because my hope is that this podcast will be educational to folks who are interested in the the many health and spiritual and community benefits of steam and the traditional Russian banya. So, oh, perfect. So I'm here with Sasha. Sasha, how do you pronounce your last name? By Baron. By Baron. By Baron. B A Y B A R I N. By Baron. By Baron. Sasha by Baron. And Boris. Well, uh, my last name is really hard to pronounce. Uh, same as by Baron. Uh, same really as by Baron. That's so, why I asked you to so pronounce it. I didn't want to do it incorrectly. Uh, so here in the United States, I used to call myself Ryabov, which is somewhat different, but as R-Y-A-B-O-V, but Ryabov. Boris Ryabov is like the Russian way to pronounce everything. Mm. And where are you each from? I'm a Moscow guy from, from the most of my time. Moscow guy, Russia, very strict. And then uh, living here in, in in California for the last couple of years. How, when did you move to California? Well, technically two years ago, but I've been doing here business for the last 12 years. So coming, going. But yeah, settled down here in Marine, not far from the gorgeous city of San Francisco. And it is lovely up here in... Uh... <sighs> In this county, it's quite a quite a, especially this time of year. And Sasha, how long have you been in the U.S.? I came first time over here, 2015. It was my first Burning Man. So basically, the Burning Man was not the reason, but one of the big steps in my in this in my that I came to live in the U.S.A. And technically, I moved. I think when I really I was sitting in Moscow and. We reached our first uh, agreement with one of our friends in Tapenga, other one where, where was our steam room. And so I came with the idea that, okay, I will stay and build the barn. It was beginning of 2017. Hmm. I like to start every podcast oh. by asking my guests what a big win would be for them. So for, for you both in terms of 
you know, burners and world travelers and festival adventurers listening to today's show, what information, what vibe, what energy would you like to transmit to all the folks listening right now? I believe all of us, I'm thinking about myself, but I think all of us are dreaming about better world or about some world which is comes from our dreams. And my world is sincere. My world is warm my world it is uh, it is can hug you my world is embracing and my world is where you where you have at least ability to to really rest and we're trying to show that this is exist and i hope that everybody will remember that it is possible and hopefully this will be transmitted Mm. I think definitely the warm part is going to be transmitted, that the world is warm. And, you know, I think with the, my experience of visiting your, your banya, I definitely felt a beautiful embrace. So I think we will be able to transmit that during today's conversation. Boris, how about you? What would be a big, a big win for today on the show? I believe on one end, sincerity is something which can be which can be a part of uh, everyday life and deep sincerity. And as strange as it sounds, it is achievable. You can do it. There are ways to do it and there are practices to do it. And we are representing one of those. And I often tend to say in the beginning of a ceremony here that miracles do happen. And this can be learned the art of observing miracles and letting them happen. And that's that's the idea. I wish uh, whoever is listening can wrestle with a little bit and think about. Mm. And you, you just said that when you're opening a ceremony, mm-hmm. and that was very much my experience when I had the privilege of coming mm-hmm. to this banya and experiencing it. So I've sat in my first experience of a steam room was in my gym when I was a teenager. And me and my friend Matt Shoulder would work out together. And then we'd sit in the steam room. And within the steam room, we would share secrets. And we had this expression, it stays in the steam. And, and this is like Santa Fe, New Mexico, racket club gym area being in the steam was this sort of space it was it was another space and this was long before i understood anything about the value of intentional spaces but we had created an intentional space later that's evolved into you know going to the archimedes banya or going to um, the kabuki spa in san francisco going with friends but i remember early on that the steam seemed like another space a space where there was a more openness possible. And it sounds like that idea of crossing a threshold into another space can be marked by an invitation to ceremony. True. So ceremony as a word is just a useful container for when you are sort of intending to go out of the mundane. But it's just a useful word nothing more but in in the real sense that's what you're proving with your experience in the first time you went into the steam and they had this uh, feeling of openness uh, the whole notion of stepping over 
in a different room, not ingesting anything, just being in natural steam, whatever it is, because steam is natural. I mean, we, we all have this round. And all of a sudden have this very specific experience of going through a portal into a different world, which has really different properties, you know, like it has a different, different relation, how your thoughts are working, how your energy is going. It has a profound implication once you start to, to observe this. Now, obviously we need to figure out a way to, to accept it. For that reason, we use the word ceremony. Okay. Why not? A way to accept that you've entered into a new space that is no longer mundane? Yeah, well, that's that's the big thing. You, you know, once we are growing up, we sort of learn somehow for some funny reason that the world is not a miraculous space anymore, that stories are for young boys and girls, and that it's not really a fairy tale world. No, 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 no it's not a fairy tale world. Now, the uh, act of accepting that, well, it's not true, and there is nothing but miracles. Mm. This notion needs to sort of dissipate. Now, for that reason, one needs to accept it. It's really hard to accept it if you're ingesting something, because then you can say, okay, I blame my experience on uh, this particular substance or that particular thing or it is hypnosis or whatever it is. Yeah. But once you have this experience in a natural setting and it's repeatable and there is no super teacher who is uh, basically guiding you through that, it's just, just yourself, your body, your thoughts and everything, uh, then it's really hard to reject. So that's why we need some some language to operate in, in that circumstance. We use the word ceremony, but again, not always. I mean, it can be very ceremonial, though. We, and then you had this experience with us. So for the sake of this podcast today, I would like to cross over a threshold into the miraculous. I would like the three of us to cross over a threshold into the miraculous, such that our conversation that is then transmitted to people out in the world can carry that intention of the miraculous. So could you help me do that, perhaps with some of the energy that you put into the ceremonial threshold for the steam? Is that is that possible? Sure, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. let's let's do yes, it. <laughs> well, um, was, was, no. was that it? Did we cross over? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> we are actually inside. Um, the, the biggest part of this threshold is basically intention. Mm. And we normally start with this. We normally start with uh, asking to recall the intention uh, whoever is entering uh, might have. And you mentioned, you mentioned intentional spaces, so we are in an intentional space. Trick of the intentional space, though, is that well we always have some desires you know we always have the, this idea that we need something or we need to get rid of something but once we suggest the intention to be not a desire but rather quality of attention quality mm. of focus then all of a sudden st this attention starts to basically project what is miraculous so this is what changes the mundane into the 
sacred into into the into the non non secular in the sense into the mm, miraculous so this is this focus uh, the, the the attention which uh, which starts from just starting to recall uh, what is like what uh, what is the most important part uh, of my life which is happening right now in this very moment what brought me here that's not a coincidence you are here that's not a coincidence we are here so the intention this is 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 what shapes the the experience which happens uh, right after that so whoever is listening to this that's a great exercise to start with just think about that what shapes my life right now and then keep it for a while once you're listening to what is happening right now with us what is the name of the branches that are used in the banya you mean the trees or you mean the the name of the branches in general the name of the branches in general yeah, not which particular yeah, tree it comes from. We, we call them veniki so this is a russian word but mm, the english would be um, Branches or whisks, uh, some of our friends do, uh, try to translate them. Steam brooms or whatever. I heard. Steam broom. I yeah, I heard little brooms, yeah. steam brooms. Yeah. And there's a ritualized way in which these are used. And I, th- I think that intention and, and ritual kind of weave together really nicely. World together and special space. And and I ask myself how it's happened, because I know that it's happening. And I thought, how, how it can be? And... You know, when Bani came to my life, one of the things that it's brank, it is understanding that magic exists. And really, it exists. And we can go deeply what does the magic means, but it exists. And to find out this, it is just you have to be really attentive. And what happens in the Banya when we're sitting, when we're lying down, when doing the ceremony, when we're doing it is it is you become just super attentive to the space, super attentive to the what happens inside. And it can be more like awareness that oh I feel my breathing or I feel some sensations inside. But in one moment you can your attentiveness can become much big and you can you can just feel the whole space around you and when it happens you see that it is special it's magical and in that moment you cross this threshold and the border and you appear in this magical and special place and i think that's what exists in the banya and what's happened right now when we pass this threshold and that we are quite in the magical world. Mm. I recall when I stepped out of the banya, particularly after <coughs> I had my my experience with the little brooms mm-hmm. and then the cold water, I felt very still and I was able to pay a deeper attention because there was just less noise going on inside me. It was sunset and I was stepping outside and the evening birds were just all a Twitter and they were certainly Twittering for everyone, but they were definitely Twittering for me. I felt that. I could see them up in the high branches. And I remember feeling, actually my intention for my experience with the Banya last weekend was to kind of calm my anxiety and calm my nervous thoughts. And so to step outside and to just notice the world around me felt quite magical in contrast to 
the pervasive thinking and and doing and figuring it out and stress. And so to your point, Sasha, I I I really felt that magic. I wanted to ask you, and I, I see that you're pouring tea in this moment, so I will give you a moment to finish that. That's another part of the intention and the ritual is this tea that we're sharing here. Um, Sasha, I wanted to ask you, you said that when Banya entered your life, it showed you, perhaps reminded you that magic was real. And I'd like to know a little bit more about that. When did Banya enter your life? And what was that experience like of knowing that magic was real? No, it was it wa- it wa- few steps how it happened. And it was not so much uh, buying experiences in my childhood. I did it a little bit, but I cannot say that I was connected with the banya as a child. And in Moscow, everyone goes to banyas. Is that uh, accurate? So if you have at least some money, first thing that you will build on your con- in your country house, it will be the banya. So basically, we have tens of thousands of the banyas in Russia. It can be different types of experience. We can talk more about what the banya is in Russia. It is whole big conversation. But yes, there are tens or hundreds of thousands of the banyas in Russia, definitely. And everybody knows at least what is it. It was a few steps. One was when just we i started to live in uh, with my friends in the quite a big country house outside and we had our good now i know that it's super good bunny over there and i just started to help to uh, like the homekeeper dima do you remember dima mm-hmm. to help to serve our friends to do the good bunny and it was kind of first time when i took venix in my hands and big step was when we i met boris quite many years ago but we became quite close friends basically in the bunny and we started to go to the one quite weird and beautiful place in moscow and it was first steps of education first steps about this flavor of the special culture of connection of sincerity of mastery of some taste that there is something special over there and at least a couple of years we were going in this banya two mostly two times a week big step was burning man but i i don't have any particular situation in which i understood that magic exists i don't remember how it's happened so it was less like oh like lights on moment it, it and was, more like an overtime it began was, to it, come it into it your was, life yeah, it was through the treatments through the, my connection with the masters through the some ceremonies and yes just one day I understood wow now I live in the absolutely magical world and yeah but I don't know how it happened particularly there's, there's one piece that I hear in what you're talking about with magic that really resonates for me, which is connection. You know, talking about your connection with the masters, talking about your connection with Boris, talking about this idea of community in the context of Abanya. Because I think that there's a lot of magic that is lost in our modern disconnection, in in our relationship to screens, in our relationship to work, and the sort of atomized way in which we live. And I think that there's a magic that percolates in between consciousness between people you know there's a sort of like absolutely yeah it 
It is, but it is it is about the connection between the people, between the different people. But it's also about the connection with with something big. It is about that you feel that it is when the world is big, then you are much bigger than you are connected with the. I don't I don't like how it sounds that you are connected with the universe, but it is some kind of experience that you are absolutely know that it is. Not big, physical, simple world where you are a small creature who is going with his legs on this planet and connected uh, with the other through their biological patterns. You just know that at least for yourself you open that there is something and you know it. And it's give you this peace and rest inside. I like that. What is Banya magic for you, Boris? Well, there are several angles for me to uh, to answer this uh, in this one. Yeah, magic is the art of connection. Technically, uh, that's the right definition of this term. If there is ever a definition, then this is the definition. This is the art of connection. I've been working with plant medicines uh, for quite a while already, and then I figured out uh, that I'm gonna be apprentice. So it sort of took me perhaps nine years of just being in contact with uh, plant medicine to understand actually I need to be a, an apprentice. I need to an go apprentice to a particular plant? To, 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 to a particular tradition. So basically to, 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 to take on this path and start learning, really learning, not just experimenting. And uh, it, was, it was Russia. Back in Russia, it started to become sort of dangerous, you know, because whatever is illegal around the globe in Russia, it's, it's just dangerous. You, you better not do it. And uh, I, start, I started thinking uh, uh, what can be done to allow people to have this experience without ingesting anything. So how exactly can we bring on the uh, medicine of uh, ayahuasca and of other plant teachers into this world? without creating A, issues with legality, and B, issues with superficial misunderstanding of what the plant medicine is. And what I mean uh, what I mean by that is, you perhaps know better than me, but like, you got a lot of ceremonies around the country here, and you see lots of people who come in joyfully, sing and dance and listen to chants and do it once uh, once a month and pay a particular sum to be there and do not change their lives whatsoever because it's just a lifestyle. And, I mean, I'm not to judge others. It's their thing, but as for me, it's, it's not the right application of the plant medicine. It's not the way uh, plant medicine is, uh, is actually a medicine. Okay, so... Taking out the superficial psychedelic component of this, the tripping component out of this, and bringing in the healing component of that, we have a chance to really connect to the knowledge of what the whole thing is about. And that was the second trigger for me. So by saying magic, I mean this. So it is learning of connection learning of of this particular type of wisdom and like no bullshit learning Russians are known to be sort of a bit more straight and rough yeah 
in many respects. So we are not really much into political correctness. So it's important for plant medicine to be respected. And sometimes it means not ingesting anything. Mm. From my childhood, I was brought into the banya and sauna and everything. And uh, it really struck me, struck me to figure out 20 years after that, there is a, this huge culture of banya in Russia. It's a folk culture. It's a urban culture. But the wisdom is forgotten, you know? Mm. What, what, what wisdom is forgotten in the urban culture of Banya? The, the wisdom is forgotten. So the wisdom which is forgotten is the, it's basically the teaching is forgotten. So like it means that it took me so much time to find teachers who, and to, to find a space where teachers would come and teach how to operate. I mean, it's uh, as striking as uh, say you're, you're eating for all of your life, whatever, simple stuff. Not knowing that there is culinary art and uh, people are, can be actually cooks and cooks exist. And then you figure out that actually cooks exist and chefs exist. And then uh, there is this art of culinary and then actually one can master this. It's this type of uh, re uh, revelation, you know. Yeah. You know, I actually had an experience like that in visiting your banya, because as I mentioned, I'd been to the Archimedes banya in San Francisco and the Kabuki spa. I, I go to them from time to time. And my experience of that was very much sitting in the heat, wanting to have some health benefits from that and feeling good about that. And then maybe a cold plunge too. So when I was coming here, I thought I was going to be gruelingly hot to just sit here and I was just going to sit in this hot steam and it was going to be really unpleasant. That wasn't my experience at all. And I know that that you both um, chose not to have crazy high heat, but what was interesting is the way the steam was moving in the room. This felt very artistic and the way the branches would move the steam along my body or the heavy wetness of the branches hitting me, palpitating along my torso. And then the timing of when do you step out and, okay, breathe in the world and then it's time to go back in. It really did feel like art. And I'd never experienced steam as art before, which is part of why I wanted to be having this conversation. So I just wanted to share that and then kind of bring it back to you were talking about this tradition in Russia of the banya and that there's wisdom that had been lost. And part of what I wanted to explore in this conversation today was the history of the banya and the idea of steam across other cultures. In your work with the Steamology Institute, is that something that you talk about and teach the kind of history and wisdom and also other cultural traditions of steam and heat? Yeah, well, there is a theoretical component which needs to be understood about what work we are doing actually means and where it comes from. And for sure, yes, we do teach that. And this is an excellent research topic for anthropologists and culturologists. No joke. I know just a handful of papers on this topic. Actually, the, uh, there will be many more if we have more subjective anthropology here, meaning people who experience start writing papers about that. But still, even even what we know is quite remarkable. So the shortest version of this uh, story... It doesn't have to be the shortest version. I'm very eager to okay. learn about this. So you give I me start the, with give the me shortest the, version. Start with the short if you want, but give me the poetry, Boris, because I know you got it. Oh, okay, so give, okay, okay. Give me okay, the poetry okay. of it. So a couple of hard facts, okay? So first, a couple of hard facts. Sweat and steam cultures exist all around the globe. 
not just in Nordic countries, not just in Russia or Finland or Northern America, where you would expect a sweat lodge, but basically all around the world, in both Americas, in uh, Eurasia, India, in Ayurveda, you're going to find this, you're going to find it in, uh, this in China, you're going to find this in medieval Europe, and you're going to find it even in Southern America, wherever. Well, the uh, reason is very simple. I mean, if you consider what happens uh, with someone who is entering the steam room, and you know this, uh, having your own experience, you've got this rapid change of state, and rapid change of state of your mind, so you enter into a dreamlike state. And there are various modalities of this dreamlike state. And this happens by itself. Now, consider what happens after the primitive Stone Age person uh, figures out the fire. Okay, you've got fire. You're sitting in your cave, you've got fire. And this fire makes this cave hot. And the stones are hot. And you just pour water on the stones. And all of a sudden you've got a steam room. You don't even need to have the language at that very moment. And this is very important as well. Because it seems that the tradition uh, we are tapping into is the pre-semantic tradition. Mm. This tradition... Because like we, we, we mastered the fire for one million years. We mastered the language for 100,000 years, if Komsky is right and like other linguists. So we've got nine-tenths of our knowledge of the steam before the onset of the language. Now, which means that a very different type of mind was activated around that time. And uh, this mind is uh, quite active in uh, the majority of mystical traditions and studies. If you do Qigong, you are tapping into this imagery, into this uh, mind which operates on a non-semantic level. If you do yoga, you do it the same. And then basically, it's very natural. Actually, uh, we are as human, human beings. Most of the time, we are in contact with this very particular mind, not, not the semantic mind. And what happens in the steam room, from your experience of calming down your thoughts, this blubbering monkey comes down because uh, our ration mind, mind just cannot sustain the conditions because the body temperature is uh, going up and it is just not compatible with blubbering mind. So your internal dialogue is sort of switched off. And what happens is you're coming to this more natural state of direct observation of your emotions, your of this dreamlike process. So it becomes more of a process state. Now, this was the property which was used in all different cultures. So we are both from Russia, so we are in contact with the Russian and Baltic uh, culture of using uh, a very particular type of steam, using branches, using the trees we, are, we have here, which is oak tree and birch and linden and others. But what we see a lot, and this comes from Russian tradition as well, but not just from Russian tradition, is using the voice. Mm, yeah, I remember you singing in, yeah. the, in the steam. I loved your singing. Yeah, well, I was chanting in Shipibo. So Shipibo. Oh, yeah, it sounded like Shipibo. It's like Shipibo. The, it's yeah. Shipibo. <laughs> it did sound like that. And it's not because Shipibo use steam room. They don't have steam rooms of this kind. They have different 
type of steam room, smaller ones. Just they they have herbal steam bus. That's a different uh, different concept. But uh, voice is carrying the energy in the steam room for healing purposes, and as much as hand is carrying, uh, using the branches energy in physical form as the steam. And there is a lot of directed energetic work in 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 the, in the context of steam room. So we use voice, and voice used is used in the majority of steam traditions all around. And I didn't know that Smetlodge in Lakota tradition, Anipi in in Northern American traditions, uh, they all have a great use of uh, voice. I mean. They use voice, they use uh, particular incenses uh, or smells, and they use heat, and they use uh, steam. Yeah. And for Chinese, for example, uh, again, it's just like creating some images for, for those who are listening. Uh, for Chinese, uh, steam is a very particular type of qi. Mm. So if you and look... Qi is the energy in the Chinese medical system. Yeah, it's like yeah, the yeah. One of, it's it's the one of the energies, but it's like the body's main energy. I would say qi is the, is the same concept of, uh, as prana in uh, in yoga, in, in Hindustani yoga. But qi is very interesting in that respect, specifically because various qualities of qi can range from very condensed qi, which is nebulous, steam-like, vapor-like, all the way to yang, yang qi, which is, which is completely bright and luminous and non-material at all. But there is this progression of qi in Chinese uh, explanation in Chinese cosmology and medicine. This progression of qi meaning that it's basically the same energy which is ranging from very material to very immaterial. Now we are tapping directly into something which can be observed. So uh, steam is exactly the the accessible energy. Now this is important because it's really easy to get illusioned in uh, energetic work and uh, energetic uh, learning. Mm, yeah. Because you can really build lots of images in your head. A lot of confirmation bias and yeah, kind of personal yeah. mythology that yeah. comes into that. But once you are uh, working with steam, you're dealing with energy. This energy, for sure, is it's very observable. And you can't really falsify it. It's, it's validated physically. So you either heat the person enough or you overheat or... Or you do not heat enough, and you know it for sure. It's observable. Someone else can as well say, "Okay, this is the case or not," and and yet it is energy. You know, and yet it is energy. The same type of energy which goes which goes into the thinnest and most subtlest types of prana or chi. The same type. Now, this was as well the reason why historically in many traditions it was used in the same manner. I mean, if you observe like a village in Russia. Again, a different image, yeah. If you observe a village in Russia, there is no priest, there is no hospital, but there is definitely a steam room. Because this is the only place which is clean enough and hot enough and humid enough for a woman to give birth. This is the place to get healed. This is the place to apply whatever medicine. And in all folk tales in Russia, you would have uh, an old witch which would help the protagonist by first uh, making a steam room for him. And so it's the most important part of the lifestyle of, of a Slavic tribe. Uh, 
having a healer who would work from a steam room, using the steam room. And as well, it was the most feared part of the village. I mean... Is it the most feared? Oh, yeah. Why was why was the steam room feared? Because it's a portal. Mm. I, I actually read about that in some Slavic mythology, there's an idea that each banya is inhabited by a bathhouse spirit. That's true. Is, yeah. is that something that banik. it's called the banik? Am I right in that? The banik spirit? And yeah, then, in Russian mythology, yes. Yeah, yes. and the banik sits near the oven... Um, in the dark and can either sort of bless you with nice caresses or like strike you with their claws. Am I accurate in my Slavic mythology? Yeah, well, not just Slavic. I think in Karelian mythology is the same and Finnish mythology is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of mythopoetic themes represent things that are actually relevant to our modern lives. So I don't imagine that you believe that there is a small impish creature behind the stove, but is there a role for the Benic in the spiritual aspect of the steam for you? I read a lot about, uh, and I heard, and I read, and there is, it's, it is, there is special how they draw in him and where does he live? And that, for example, that in the tradition you cannot go in the banya after after sunset or after mm-hmm. dark or after 9 p.m. because it's the time when banyak is having the, his own steam and if you will go at night, he will do some super bad things with you. And he's not so good guy, basically. So in my own mind, I don't have this, like, this personality who is over here, but definitely... I'm in, in dialogue with each banya where, where, which, in which, what, what I'm doing. And the way how you cleaning it, the way how you treating it, the way how you asking it to help, the way how you feel that it is with you or against you. So definitely you are building some kind of connection. And it's some kind, kind of connection that can be it's almost physical connection. You can feel it so easily, the quality of this connection. How, how is it right now? And it's definitely something to build and something that the most profound part of the experience, it is the quality of this connection because I think this is the main influencer. The banya is the main influencer on what's happening. Not me, not other steam master, not the stove. It is this something. Mm. And in my head, it is not special guy but it is it is connection with something definitely yes i i think the, the, the this is a fair question about the imp and, and whether it has any relevance uh, for the contemporary urban dweller because the natural answer would be well why would it have any relevance whatsoever this is strange i mean why would we need that i mean we need neuromediators we need psychedelic therapy, we need uh, contemporary science, even contemporary spirituality. Why would we need all the imps and everything? Well, for me as practitioner, it is important to be very careful about the way I perceive things. And let's call it shamanic lens, although I would prefer not to use the word shamanic, but it would take me ages to explain what I mean without using this word. So let's take the shamanic lens on perception. And then shamanic lens means that you opt to perceive the reality as A, something living, B, 
something which is able to communicate in various fashions. C, the boundaries not being the same as you observe as your naked eye. So the boundaries might be different. Now, once you step, in, step into having this lens, and once you're activated uh, with this dreamlike trance, which is opened up by, by the steam in the steam room, the notion of imp or the notion of banning is basically a symbolic reminder of the existence of spiritual world, okay? Mm, I like that. And it, it helps uh, didactically, okay, methodologically, it helps to be in contact with that. So I start with pouring water on the stone here, for example, because this is basically metaphorically to praise the Banya spirit, I chant to Banya spirit, not meaning that I'm out of my mind and I see Banya spirit all around like in my normal life, but the notion is very different. The notion is I'm just confirming that I have checked my lens of seeing, of operating in this dreamlike state. And it is basically just to, and just a checkbox, like checkbox trucks, I'm, I'm there, so I'm, I'm active, I, I, I can perceive. And it's not just the knowledge within the serum, it's, uh, it, it happens to a good doctor, it happens to a good osteopathic doctor, the ability to perceive things which are sort of a little bit beyond what you would traditionally perceive with your naked eye or naked hand. So th this is the reason why banning is important. And as well to warn, why why is it important not to have uh, steam uh, steam room too late in the night? Because there are natural rhythms, and uh, you have to you have to accept that. Because like you don't want to have steam room late, late, late in the night because it would basically it it can be just harmful. And natural rhythms are way more important in such a state uh, than in normal life, so to say, because uh, here the, uh, here you are way more more vulnerable. All this can impact you way more dramatically. So it's sort of safety rules, safety guidance. We just packed into these little stories, into these tales and everything, which just passed through generations, should be deciphered into, in, into understanding uh, why it actually means what it means. That's often the role of the mythopoetic, too, is to, is to transmit these lessons that ultimately give us a deeper understanding because, in part, they're interpretable. So we can, we can work them into modern contexts because they're carrying the messages of the past. True. This makes me kind of consider this idea of lineage and and the way things are passed on. And Christopher Breedlove, our mutual friend who brought me here, um, had a couple of questions that he wanted to ask you. And I think this is a good time to ask a question from him, um, which is in line with what you're what you're speaking about right now. What he asked is, who do they draw their inspiration from, and how do they track the lineage of their practice? Sasha, I guess this one is for you. Hmm? There are. Um also a few ways how we can look at that. One is, let's say, more traditional. It is our teachers and it is the people who put their lives to investigate, to develop, to know more about more traditional way of Russian steam and banya culture from the point of view of the steam masters, from the point of view of the uh, builders, architectures, stove makers, anthropologists, and all the people who 
went deeply in the Russian lineage. And as I said, there are few like branches because Bani it is about the steam masters and there are many people not many people but there are some people who go in deeply in this and Bani it is about just how to create this space. It is um, big lineage and the knowledge about um, not how to be steam masters about how to create transformational and the life space which is far from what you can find in the fitness or wellness where you experience it, it can still can be cool it can be still that you feel some more openness over there but it is far from the the idea of how to build this portal as boris said and the third how we can look on that and i think boris is closer to that than i am it is uh, the common idea of the steam around the world as a sweat lodge, as other traditions, as the people who found uh, the knowledge of of the teaching and the and the development which can happen in this altered state which appears in this team. I would add to that. I I love what you're saying. Um, so in terms of teachers, we are not really descendants of one particular tradition. Very important to understand. I mean, for the listeners, we are sitting in a felt dome, which is basically based on the geodome, which is the invention of Buckminster Fuller. Okay, so if ever we are descendants of Buckminster Fuller, mm, and know. that's important because because as for me, I'm drawing my inspiration from the future and from the present rather than from the past. Mm, I love that. And that's my vision is that communal healing is possible and is needed. And it is a process which needs to be well understood because if you take a contemporary community, the only issue it might have is it is done from the head and from the idea, not taking into the account that the communication is a multi-level process which needs to have its own healing inside of that. And we are doing the communal healing now this is the thing. So like the the thing is what, what we are building is the process for a modern community to be able to multi-level heal itself and communicate. And uh, that's why sincerity is important. You can't really build a modern modern community with, uh, without having this tool of creating sincerity. And because you can't really fake things in, in in this world, you can't really fake many things. If you start faking things in this world, you've got like whatever. You've got the modern politics. You've got the modern capitalistic structures. Whatever you've got. But for a modern community, you need to have sincerity. And sincerity is something to be produced. And for that reason, one needs healing. As simple as that. That's that's the tool we're doing. Now this is the inspiration. And then coming back to the question about the teachers, again, really, Buckminster Fuller is the teacher, and as well our teachers uh, who keep bringing this wisdom on uh, how to treat people, how to treat their bodies, how to treat their souls, how to treat their minds. Um, the teachers from different lineages, like from Native American lineages, all the knowledge we have absorbed, it all flows into this space. So. If, if anything, what we are doing is the platform for this knowledge to come. And I, I'm not really putting too much on my, on my shoulders, really. So it's not like I'm bringing the t-shirt. No, it's not. I mean, if you are creating this this space well enough, they will come. 
very important that having this focus of attention and intention as space, uh, which is something living, and again, hello to Buckminster Fuller, we are literally in a spaceship in broader sense and in a smaller sense as well. This is a little spaceship here because it really deals with the internal space. It, as a portal, it deals with uh, it, it deals with this perception of space. And that's the biggest knowledge. I mean, we are assembling and conveying and and, and working with. So, and the, the connection to the space and time are the two, well, at the end of the day, these are the two biggest teachings one has to master, how to connect with space and time. So, well, that's, that's what we are doing here. Mm. Well, you, you spoke about multi-leveled healing, yeah. multi-layered healing. And I think that this is a great time to touch on a little bit of the medical benefits of the STEAM. We've talked a lot about this as a spiritual space, as a portal, as a space for healing and flushing out. And I want to talk a little bit more about your knowledge of some of the scientific benefits, the detoxification, um, inflammation, the cardiac effects of the STEAM. And I'd like to talk a bit about that and save a little bit of special time to talk about mental health as well. But before talking about mental health, Let's talk a little bit about the health benefits of the STEAM. It's, it's well researched on many layers, not on all though. Like uh, I would say that the body effects of uh, steam room and basically of using heat, be it infrared heat or sauna heat, but specifically steam, they're quite well researched. I mean, we know there are several studies. I mean, Japanese have studied a lot. And, it, it, you know, it's connected to, to the studies of how hot water or water, uh, water in general uh, is affecting the body. And Japanese are good at this because they've got uh, lots of knowledge about thermal hot springs. And this this used to be a major thing in physiotherapy for, for quite some time. So, well, long story short, body reacts to heating and specifically to, 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 to the steam in a number of ways. One is uh, our temperature is increasing. It is increased by a couple of, uh, a couple of degrees outside more than inside, but it starts as sort, sort of inflammation process, sort of artificial inflammation process, the artificial fever in a sense. And then this artificial fever is just organically triggering the same immune boost, uh, which is being triggered by uh, a fever in response to an actual infection. So this is the number one action, so to say, to a, a whole body action. There are several side effects which are contributing uh, contributing to this or happening because of that. Blood stream is activated way more because heat needs to be uh, circulated faster. So uh, heartbeat is increasing, and blood circulation is uh, is uh, is happening faster and faster and faster. And lymph is drained in uh, uh, way faster. Both through the sweat outside and sweating is very important because sweating is basically what triggers the whole body to cleanse yeah so there are generally health effects which are related to the body and connected to the heat there are some other effects which are uh, very much more subtle and they either depend on what is happening in the steam room say what kind of process is going on or they are connected to the conditions of the steam room 
So just to be clear, you're saying that there are different health benefits yes, depending yes. on just the property of the heat versus yes. what's physically happening within the space? So the, uh, there are two sets of factors which are then affecting these uh, subtler effects, subtler health benefits. Conditions within the steam room and the process. Okay, and then talking about conditions. So particular qualities of steam are, are triggering different responses. Some types of steam would trigger uh, rapid sweating. Some other types of steam would trigger not so much of sweating, but more build, building up the heat. Still, some others would be very good for cleansing or for scrubbing. And this is what actually defines what kind of steam room you're having. Say, a hammam is again a steam room. That's uh, the Turkish? That's the Turkish or whatever, Northern African. Hammam is very important for hot and humid environments. Like if you have a country which is very hot, uh, the issue would be uh, skin is getting lots of inflammation because of dirt and infections and all that. So you need to scrub. And to scrub, you need super humid environment, not so hot. But for Nordic countries, the problem is different. Like because the skin pores are closed normally, the majority of illnesses are having this natural of cold. If you take Ayurvedic or Tibetan perspective, you know, like there are diseases which are connected to cold and others which are connected to hot. So for Nordic countries and for Nordic cultures, uh, majority of diseases are connected to the nature of cold. Okay, so like cough, for example, or whatever. Yeah. So there you need more heat. Okay, you, there you need more, 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 a different type of, uh, of steam as well. If you do things well enough, engineering-wise, you can create a perfect condition or perfect set of conditions. So, but you have to carefully manage it. And this is a, this is a huge, it's a big mastery. We are doing this a lot, and engineering is a key uh, thing in terms of what we are doing. But let me switch a little bit to the reasons why it is like that. Then. If you have proper conditions, that was your experience here. If you have proper conditions of right steam, right schedule of changing the humidity and temperature, and right application of steam, your body gets into a very particular mode, which is your condition before you were born in the once once the once the kid is in the mother's swamp. It's uh, the kid is surrounded by basically what you are surrounded with in a steam room. So, well, effectively, this is a womb. And for mm. many, many, many traditions, this was perceived as a womb. In Temascal, in Mexico, or wherever, th th that's the imagery, yeah? But what it drives, actually, so your body reacts to that in a very particular manner. Your breathing... Yeah, because in the womb, a uh, child is not breathing. The uh, all everything is connected through the skin and through the umbilical cord. Yeah, well, there is no umbilical cord, but there is still the skin contact with the environment. So your skin starts to operate in a very different fashion. So uh, there we go already into the realm of psychology and mental, because that's where your mind and your emotions operate in a different way as well. So, so the experience of being in a womb is calming psychologically because you're True. because you're accustomed to that. In but your as well, state. it is so. It's not just calming; it's mm, getting you in the state which is which has an unlimited potential. 
because uh, explain that getting in a state of unlimited potential yeah well if you observe your emotional state within a steam room you're going to figure out that the type of emotions you're experiencing are not really the emotions of the everyday life they are just different they have different different notion to that why it happens like that is because you're basically tracking them back into their source so a, a good steam room ceremony or a good steam room treatment can lead to a very strong catharsis process now as well as in plant therapy you know why it happens like that because in this particular mode of existence like in this dreamlike state if you take the function of the mind your emotions sort of operate in a non-obscured way because you don't have the interpretation layer on top of that you just you know, your mind just doesn't cope with that so your emotional process is way faster and as well can be treated and guided way faster so it's like psychotherapy on steroids in a sense like because you you're tapping into the basic emotional patterns and with the ability to to alter them and work on them uh, that's why i'm saying it's it's the state of of high potentiality because the ability to alter the patterns is very high here the same as with the body because in the body we do a lot of work in this the body here operating basically using the principles of chinese meridian therapy or moxibustion for example if you if you know moxibustion i don't know moxibustion i know i know meridian theory in chinese medicine but okay so moxibustion is both chinese and tibetan uh, therapy using moxa moxa is basically a stick either made of coal or charcoal or made of uh, uh, particular herbs dried herbs and then they are uh, it's heated up and then it's quite hot and then it's put close to the body but not really burning and it produces lots of heat and it's topically heating up a particular spot in the body it's very efficient because it goes like point by point uh it's very efficient if applied carefully to treat lots of things including depression for example like lots of things that's one of the biggest and one of the most effective types of tibetan chinese traditional medicine We've got conditions here to do exactly the same, but we don't have the restriction of this little little tool. So we've got the whole thing. We've got the uh, we've got the ability to direct steam from whatever direction. So imagine uh, you've got um, all of a sudden you've got an opportunity to work on all points of the body, as in, as in using needles or using moxa but you have no restriction of time so you can do it all all of that simultaneously mm, it increases the speed of reaction and this is what what is one of the biggest characteristics of uh treatment effect on both the body and emotions and mind yeah so this is what what, what shapes this experience so much so I, i'm talking about process now engineering wise you need to have the right conditions to create this womb or to create a different condition if if it is needed. So and um, when engineering is done right on the physical level, what happens? It is uh, that you are breathing with the proper air, you sweating with the proper sweat, which is have a lot of these toxins inside. Detoxifying sweat, yeah. like a detoxifying sweat, because it can be different types of sweat. Even sometimes, you know, it is like a sticky sweat, and you just feel that it's all of this dirt is going inside. Sometimes, just like a water, when you when there, you're trying to become more cold, and then it is not so detoxifying sweat. And when the proper engineering is done, this physical environment is done, is good, and then all of this proper process happening. But 
to come to the mental health and to come to this, uh, what Boris said about how you feel the life through the skin and to come to this, what we talked about, the inspiration about this better world when the engineering is done properly. And we, when you just, not how you said, you sit in, in, the, in the sauna, in the bunny, in the steam room, because, oh, I know that there are these type of the benefits, okay, I will sit because I will sweat and it will, I will be, become more healthy. When you lie down over here and with a steam master or even without, with the proper engineering, with the proper bunny, with the proper temperature, with the proper quality of steam, with the proper aromatherapy, you are going to this, Dream like a dreamlike state where going when your thoughts become like not so aggressive and they come not so often. You go into the state of rest, and and this state of this rest, the state of this how when you are embraced, the state then you are as comfortable as it's you. You cannot even was not able to imagine that this comfort is exist in this world. That you are so it is warm and it's nice. It is humid. It's like it, it's it's physical like the womb in some way. Yeah. And over there you can like remember what the health is. And this is the big health benefit. And on the top of that, there's going all this proper sweat, proper breathing, proper so, microcirculation, all of that. So yeah, for the mental health, I love this idea of safety. That's a big thing for me in my anxiety is rooted in a childhood experience of unsafety mm -hmm. and a big part of my process. And as we were discussing, you know, this is pre-semantic. This is, this is a somatic embodied traumatic experience of unsafety yeah. from my childhood. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all have some version of that. No matter how nourished or nurtured we were, there are aspects of the life, perhaps even the birth experience itself, that carries a certain kind of embodied trauma. And so what I'm hearing from you is that this creation of the womb, when the technology is precise, and these womb-like conditions are created where the sweat is the precise right kind and the convection of the steam moving through the space is correct, that this creates a kind of safety where the dreamlike state is one of a deep rest that would be otherwise potentially unimaginable. I deeply believe that we was loved and embraced when we was in the mother's womb. And somewhere we have this kind of experience, we remember that it was over there, it was in the, like in our other life, it was when we was in the, in the, in the, our mother, this experience of how to be really loved. And I think that myself and many other people trying to reach this experience, but we still remember as uh, some emotional, sensational, some kind of experience that we have somewhere in our brain. And we're trying to reach the safety, we're trying to reach this, what does it mean to be loved? And through the many kind of the experiences that sometimes we reach in this, sometimes it's not through the, our safety, trying to find the money, trying to find the friends, trying to be, I don't know, famous. The doing, the going, the achieving, the attaining. Whatever, but it is because we have this pattern in our head and we remember that we just want to be loved. We just want to come back home. We just, and we know it not as idea, we know it as experience somewhere deep. And I believe that one of the 
big things that we are reaching over here as we remember ah that's it that's what i it can be it it is it it exists i have it i i can i okay i cannot be over there forever and maybe i don't want to but i have this support of this experience i can be loved basically and this experience that i can be loved and from there not from somebody from maybe from this whole world or whatever it is and this is reactivating this pattern in some way and yeah it was big part that happened with me and i know that it is it i know that it is it's true for many many other people mm-hmm. relating to this i would say i mean you're mentioning everything correctly uh, because uh, the experience of the steam room if done properly if built properly and conducted properly which is two big parts of wisdom and therefore education because the steam room experience allows to tap directly into this pre-born condition and because of this particular type of state uh, therapeutic state which sort of peels off all of the layers on top of this pre-born condition and why it happens because most of our traumas be it psychological traumas or somatic traumas are embodied in some way or other on our body in our body on our on our body every time we were hit physically we still have this somewhere in the body, in the body. we can still yeah, your uh, body your body keeps the score yeah yeah now so what happens in the book. steam room your body sort of starts exfoliating from this very core and then, then the core is uh, unobstructed the core is the preborn condition now as practitioners what we are doing we, is we are just working with these memories on the body this is basically one of the biggest things on uh, educating how to work with branches how exactly to apply branches in the fashion which are these loving hands, mother's hands, which are able to clean off this, uh, the, the thing. So we use a lot of various types of modalities of cleaning, all the way from somatic cleaning all the way to mental cleaning, saying, uh, working with memories, chanting to the memories, for example. That's why it's so much connected to the traditional work which is done in plant medicine world, in ayahuasca world, because there it is exactly the same process. But we are operating both with the body technically, and with the voice and then with the mind. So, like, on, on both ends. Um, basically, working on the on, on top of the trance, which is uh, naturally covering everybody, including ourselves. So, this ability to work on the layers and to get to this pre-born condition is exactly what makes this, this healing potential more or less of the same power of psychotherapy in general sense. Because we can tap to every single moment of the worldly life. And there are lots of anecdotal experiences because people get easily into the experience of, oh, I was two years old, or oh, I was just uh, just born, or oh, I was suffocating when, when I was born. So the, people get easily into this retrospective trauma or issue which shapes whatever happens later. So this is what makes it so powerful. On the other end, there is a collective component of the treatment as well and collective component to the healing process. This is why we are sitting not in a place which is uh, built for one therapist and one client, but we are sitting in a place which is built for a community, even a small community for 10 people. Why? Because lots of traumas are affecting not one particular individual, but basically a community as a whole. 
or a society as a whole. This, but they this can reminds be, me of the ayahuasca ceremony in the correct, sense that we're correct. all there doing our work together. Correct. And if I do my work, then the person sitting next to me works. They, I'm grieving for everyone in that circle. Well, I, I take here a more radical communitarian approach. Not that it's just, it's not just me doing my work and helping you doing, uh, you doing your work. Is There is something which is more than just you or just me. There is a bigger being which might be ill, might be sick, might be healthy. It's up to us together to work to the benefit of this larger being, which is the community. And is that the human species or is that the community that's present in the ceremony as a being that comes together just for that ceremony? Or As much as you're trained to observe this community. If you're trained enough to observe the community of two people in a relationship, like whatever the relationship is in a, in a couple, then it's good enough. It's it's way better than not being able to observe this within two people couple. But if you, go, you can go beyond and go into something bigger or even bigger or even bigger or even to the species level or even to the living beings uh, level, then you're okay, fine. Now, it means you've got some mastery and understanding how to, how, to, how to grow this communitarian knowledge inside of yourself. But the training of understanding how the relationship operates and specifically training how to how to work with the traumas which happen on the on, on the communitarian level, not just on the individual level, is super important and it happens as well in the steam room. Say the emotions like shame or guilt, which are quite social in their manifestation, not just individual. So they are treated very profoundly in the, in the steam room. So because, well, uh, operating with shame is very important, understanding understanding the boundaries, understanding what the boundaries are, observing the boundaries of others, understanding the healthy way to work with this boundaries. And because most of the time people are unclothed in the steam room as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing, like how to approach that, how to approach nudity in a healthy way. And this is all to say that the healing aspect is twofold, is both individual and communitarian. And this communitarian healing aspect is something which is even less understood because people tend to think about loneliness, for example, being a single person issue. And this, that's easy. I, I understand why. I mean, I'm sitting here in more or less individualistic country, which is based, shaped by this individualistic spirit. Therefore, every mental illness is perceived being an, an individuum's mental illness. But in fact, it is not. It is known that loneliness is very much connected to the type of community we are, uh, we are talking about. So it's a very, so, uh, very much social disease. Now, it, it affects the community rather than the person. Mm. Now, people are parts of their communities, therefore they're affected. But it cannot be healed on an individual level. For that, one needs to know the communication. Now, to heal the communication is a very particular skill. And the issue in the contemporary culture which we are trying to overcome with this very particular input is to showcase that treating individuals and treating relationships and treating societies is one big thing. It's not three different things. Mm. It's not like here is the medicine for individuals and here is the whatever coaching for corporations and here is God knows what for for the societies if there is anything which you, which you can do for them, and it's well, like disconnected through three different types of knowledge, like three different degrees. What we are saying, it's not. It's multi-layered, but it's part of the bigger whole, 
and ex therefore we do communal steam it's important because it, again it's a part a type of practice which shows how to do it in reading about the banya one of the benefits of the banya historically was that it was a space for many different social classes yeah and the idea of a healing womb that's available for community and connectedness and you know you're a plant medicine guy i'm a plant medicine guy one of the big things that we experience in plant medicine is the interconnectedness of all things and all beings and that's enormously healing there's a plague of deaths of despair so-called in the west where people are dying of suicide or drug overdose or alcoholism and these are these are deaths of disconnection lack of community and something that i've learned in community is that your service to the community is a huge part of your own healing you know so there are people yeah. who come into the steam and if they're learning to do these beautiful sweeping motions with the branches and get them heavy with water and then slap them down on the chest in a way that is love and connection and healing that's their own growth absolutely and their own, it is their, their own, own it is their own way of investigating their dreams and uh, motivations and their answers and their obstacles after the first burning man we understood actually immediately we understood uh, after the first process that there is a unique experience of sincerity and openness which happens to people they they started to talk with us about that and uh, it's very needed very much needed very much in demand and again it was emerging we didn't really program it it just start started to happen so inspiring that we decided we need to start the education program And it started dissipating into not only people but places as well. So it dissipated into Fly Ranch uh, near the near Black Rock Desert. It dissipated into Russia to into s several other festivals. So it started to look like a catapult of a new culture, sort of restarted through the Burning Man. And my biggest philosophical thought on that is that Burning Man is definitely capable of being cradle of cultures. Mm, and yeah. one needs to know how to work with that because and then if you figure out this thing, how to, how to launch a culture through Burning Man, then we perhaps make the bigger contribution beyond the culture of steam itself. Mm, I love that. So the fact that you're using Burning Man to launch this culture of steam means that you're not just learning about and sharing the technology of steam, but you're learning about and sharing the technology of culture, and I would say also the technology of community. That's correct. That's yeah, correct. That's and, great. And that's a big thing because it goes, again, it goes beyond the notion of leadership And it goes beyond the notion of how to make something non-commercial and so and so on and so far. It has this energy component in it. It has this inspiration component in it. Because what Bergman does, in between other things, but what Bergman does is it acts as a magnifying glass for inspiration, and it sort of it sort of enhances this multifold. And Again, we wish to be able to become an example of how to how to operate through this into the default world. Mm, I love that. Before we leave each other on this wonderful afternoon, where can people find you and connect with you? How can people perhaps learn from the Steamology Institute? Where, where can our listeners connect with you? 
So the easiest ways are look us up on Facebook, uh, which is Boris Rybov or Alexander Bybyrin. There is the uh, there is an email address uh, we can share, is, which is uh, contact at stemology.institute. And and if if people are in the Bay Area, could they use that email to request to come and experience the banya? Yeah, they could do all of that. And there is as well a, a number of uh, private Facebook groups. We're going to invite people whenever they contact us. Uh, okay. We're going to let them know. Yeah, so so I'd say the, the main, if you're listening right now, you want to get in touch, you want to come experience this banya in Northern California, you want to meet these guys, then that email, which will be in the show notes, and we'll say that email one more time, which is... It's contact at steamology.institute. Great, and that'll be in the show notes. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Life is a Festival. If you liked the show, you can support it by sharing it with your friends, following it on Spotify, or reviewing it on iTunes. If you'd like to get more involved, you can join our Facebook group, Life is a Festival, where we talk about the show and you can suggest new guests. If you really liked the show and maybe want a little bit more, visit my digital tip jar at patreon slash lifeisafestival.com. Whatever you do, I hope today's podcast helped you make your life just a little bit more like a festival. And I'll see you on the dance floor.